The Linux Reality Podcast is sponsored by O'Reilly Media, spreading the knowledge of innovators through its books, online services, magazines, and conferences. Visit them today at O'Reilly.com. everybody. Welcome back to Linux Reality. This is episode number 69. My name is Chess Griffin. And in this episode, we are going to talk about Vim, uh, the classic text editor. This is going to be very high level, just to kind of introduce the editor and, and talk about some of the very basic commands such that if you ever find yourself uh, you know, needing to use Vim or VI, that you at least have some, some basic understanding of how it works. So that's what we're going to talk about. First, though, have a big announcement. As you probably heard at the outset, we do have a sponsor now, and it's O'Reilly Media. And I'd like to thank them so much for coming on board. I'm very excited. They are just a great company. I mean, I've got tons of O'Reilly books. I mean, OSCON is, is just a world-class conference. Never never been able to go to OSCON, unfortunately. Uh, but I hope to someday. Uh, but they are on board as a sponsor, and I really do thank them very much. They've also been kind to give us a discount code. Uh, it's L-R-E-L-40. And I think it's good for 40% off the purchase of any books on their website. So I'll put that you know code on the Linux Reality homepage so don't feel like you got to write it down now, but I'm very excited, and I, you know, I've had you know I've had the uh, sort of the opportunity to work with other sponsors, but I was really, you know, excited about this because I think that O'Reilly fits in very well with this podcast. I mean, this podcast is sort of intended to be, I don't know if you want to call it instructional or reference podcast or something like that, but you know, something along those lines. And of course, that's what O'Reilly does best. I mean, their books are just fantastic resources and. Uh, so I'm very excited, and I'd like to welcome them on board. And I do encourage you to use that uh, coupon code and you know let them know that uh, supporting podcasts that that support the open source community does make a difference. Uh, thanks very much. I also wanted to mention that Slackware 12 is released. So congratulations to Pat Volkerding and the rest of the Slackware team. This is a really really cool release because it's got a lot of neat changes. It's it's got a default 2.6 kernel. It's got the new modular Xorg 7.2, so you can run Barrel and Compiz. It, it now has HAL, so you know auto mounting of stuff is is automatic. I mean, it's a uh, you know it's a it's a sort of a next generation Slackware, and it's very cool. And I've been um, sort of involved in some of the testing along the way, and he's had some good release candidates, and it just came out. So congratulations and thanks to Pat and the rest of the Slackware team. I think with that, let's get right to today's discussion about Vim. Okay, well, Vim. Vim is a text editor, and Vim is actually based on VI. VI was a text editor written in the 1970s, and I think it was primarily intended, or at least originally used on, you know, sort of mainframes and big Unix machines and, and all that. Uh, and it's 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 become sort of a de facto standard. I mean, VI is included everywhere. I mean, you run BSD or Solaris. I mean, VI is there, which is why it's nice to know, you know, kind of your way around a little bit. Now, Vim is a later uh, application developed by somebody other than the original author, uh, so it's somebody else. And it stands for VI Improved. And the idea is that Vim includes some additional functionality and things that, uh, you know, might make life easier that aren't found in sort of the regular VI. Uh, but basically, the stuff we're going to talk about today, for the most part, except for, I think, one instance, is going to apply to VI or Vim because it's they're pretty compatible. 
but now Vim is a, as I said, it's a text editor. It's a command line text editor. If you open up a terminal and type Vim, assuming you've got it installed, then the Vim editor will run. There's also a GTK version. Uh, if you've you know got that installed, that's called GVim, and so it provides a nice point-and-click you know graphical interface to uh, Vim, but it's still basically Vim. Uh, if you want to, uh, once you get comfortable with it, you can customize a lot of things with Vim in terms of key bindings and even the theme and and sort of you know auto tagging and stuff like that. And you can do that through your own configuration file called .vimrc. We've talked about these hidden files before, like uh, .screenrc, and there's been some others along the way. Well, Vim has one as well. It doesn't. You don't have to have one, or at least maybe it's that there's a system wide default. So if you don't have your own VimRC, don't worry about it. It should still run just fine. Now, Vim is what's called a modal editor. And as far as I understand it, this may not be technically exactly correct, but basically a modal editor is an editor that has more than one mode. And I think if you think about it this way, it makes sense. I mean, I imagine that VI, as I said, was developed you know, in the 1970s. And I would think that most of the computers that were used were, I don't know if they were dumb terminals, but you know, they were just basic uh, keyboards attached to a screen that were attached to a server somewhere. And uh, the keyboards back then were pretty generic. I mean, it's really just, just the set of keys, you know, that make the, uh, the, key, the main keyboard, almost like a typewriter. It didn't, you know, keyboards back then didn't have all the function keys and arrow keys and number pads and all that kind of stuff like we have today. So if you've got a limited set of characters on a keyboard, most of which are letters that you need to use to type, you're going to have to come up with some way to do commands and to do things other than typing, you know, such as opening and saving and cutting and pasting and all that good stuff. So uh, Vim basically has two modes. Uh, there's the command mode and there's the insert mode. Now the command mode is what is, is the mode you're in when you first run Vim. And you can just, like I said, a command line type Vim, or if you want to open up a file, you can just do Vim space, you know, file.txt or whatever the name of the file is. But the command mode is what you are presented with initially and it's the mode where you can enter commands you can move your cursor around you can copy delete cut paste search you know all kinds of stuff like that meaning that the keys on your keyboard are not going to type they're going to do different things you know depending on what mode you're in and if you're currently in command mode then the keys you know the letter d for example is going to delete rather than type the letter d because you're in the command mode uh, the other main mode is the insert mode, and this is the mode that you're going to be using to type text. There's also a, another mode called replace, which is really just another variation of, of insert mode. Replace mode lets you, you know, do type over, kind of like on a regular word processor when you type and it types over the characters rather than moving them over. Uh, that's the replace mode, but it's essentially insert mode plus type over. So command and insert, those are the two modes. As I said, when you first run Vim, you're in command. And uh, we'll talk about some commands in a second. But to get into insert mode, so you can start typing, you would press the letter I. Just a lowercase I gets you into an insert mode. And now you can start typing. Now the, the letter D, you know, as an example, does type the letter D instead of deleting. So you can see how you've changed modes. Uh, the keys mean different things now. Now they mean the letters that they are on the keyboard. And so you can type around and all that kind of stuff. And now if you want to go back to command mode, you just press escape. So escape and I are sort of the first two commands or, or, you know, buttons, if you will, you need to learn uh, because uh, I gets you into insert mode, escape gets you back out into command mode. And sometimes when you're typing, if you're not sure, you know, if you want to type a command and you can't remember, I just kind of press escape a few times. It doesn't hurt anything. Uh, if you're in command mode and you press escape, it doesn't, doesn't do anything. So it just kind of makes sure you're in, in command mode. 
so let me go back to the command mode now and talk about moving around because that's obviously a very important thing to know how to do. You've got a text file open, you've got a few paragraphs, and now you realize you want to go back up to the top and enter in some new text or something. So you've got to move the cursor around. Uh, now Vim uh, does support using the arrow keys on your on most of our keyboard key, you know keyboards we have arrow keys you can use those uh, but I highly recommend you don't because there are default keys to use to move the cursor when you're in command mode and believe me if you can learn to use the regular keys for command for moving rather than the arrow keys it makes your life a lot easier it really makes moving around much faster because you know your hands are there on the keyboard sort of in the home row so the default keys to move are H J, K, and L, right there in the center. Four you know, keys right next to each other. H, J, K, and L. H moves your, your cursor to the left. Uh, at, the ver- at the other end of the four, L moves your, car- you moves your cursor to the right. And in the middle, J moves down, K moves up. So it's very easy. And uh, you know, a little trick I always heard about trying to remember J and K is that J, at least on the, US, on the you know, English alphabet, points down. You know, the little J comes down, and so that means it moves down. Uh, so anyway, H moves left, J moves down, K moves up, L moves right. So it's very easy to move around. Now, there are other ways to move because moving by cursor or by simply by character by character can be slow. So you want to be able to jump quickly, you know, and there are many ways to do this. And again, I'm just kind of hitting the highlights here. But uh, the first thing you want to remember is W, lowercase W and capital W. They mean two different things. Lowercase W means your cursor will move forward one word. And in Vim, a word includes punctuation. So if you have a word with a comma and you type W, it's going to stop twice. It's going to stop at the beginning of the word and it will stop again at the comma. The capital W, however, moves forward one regular word. In other words, it does not count punctuation. Uh, similarly, B and uppercase B do the opposite. They move back. Lowercase B moves back one word, including punctuation. And uppercase B moves back one word, not including punctuation. Uh, two other handy things to remember are uh, the letter zero. I mean, the the number zero in your you know on your keyboard that lets you move to the beginning of the current line, and the dollar sign moves you to the end of the current line. So those are sort of some basic. There's other ways you can move. You know, you can move up to the top of the screen and down to the very bottom. But again, I'm just trying to trying to hit the highlights here. I mean, you know, there's books written on Vim. In fact, speaking of our new sponsor, there's a great O'Reilly book on on VI or Vim. I've got that, and that's really good. Uh, so that's kind of the basics of moving around. Now, as far as typing text and inserting text, there's a few things to know about this. And so let's say, you know, you're in command mode, and you move your cursor to where you want to start typing, and you press I. Well, I will let you start inserting text or typing text just before the cursor. So where the cursor is, Right before, that's where you're going to start typing. That's where the characters will start to appear. Uh, A, which stands for append, uh, lets you insert the text after after the cursor. It means append. And so if you're in command mode and you move around and you get to where you want to be, A will start inserting text right after the cursor. Uh, Capital I inserts text at the beginning of the line, and capital A inserts text at the end of the line. So, you know, you can see these keys lowercase i, uppercase i, lowercase a, uppercase a. Uh, Also, O, lowercase o, inserts text in a new line just below your current line, and capital O inserts text in a new line just above your current line. So you can, it'll just move your text up or down, and it will give you a blank new line, depending on if you press O or or, uh, uppercase O. And uh, R, as I mentioned, does replace, and it kind of lets you do type over. 
and uh, then P lets you paste, and I'll talk about that in just one second. So, like I said, basically moving around, you've got H, J, K, and L, and then you've got uh, the W's and the B's to move forward and back, O and dollar sign to move to the end of the line and the beginning of the line. And then as far as inserting, you've basically got three letters you need to remember, I, A, and O. And whether they're lowercase or uppercase, it does different things. Okay, so now you've you know kind of typed some text, and now you want to maybe copy or delete or stuff like that. So the next major thing to talk about is deleting text. Uh, the way deleting works, it's pretty simple. There's a couple, there's basically two or three letters to remember here. The first one is X. X deletes the character under the cursor. So if you highlight a, a, you know, a stray comma, you just press X and it will delete it. Uh, capital X deletes the character just before the cursor. Now, D is another delete command, D for delete, and D must be combined with something else. So, for example, DW lets you delete the current word. Uh, DD lets you delete the current line. Uh, D0, remember we talked about zero meaning the beginning of the line, so D plus zero means you delete everything from the current position to the beginning of the line. And similarly, D plus a dollar sign deletes from the current position to the end of the line. Now, this brings up an interesting point because a lot of commands can be combined with numbers, um, like I just said, you know, or combined with other commands. Like, for example, the D and the zero deletes from the current position to the beginning of the line. There's other ways you can combine things. For example, when moving, you can do uh, 3J, the letter, the number 3 plus J. And if you remember, J means move your cursor down. And that will move your cursor down three lines. It's the same as entering J, J, J three times. You can just do 3J. And so you can see it's very easy. You can do 10W, and it will move forward 10 words rather than typing W 10 times. Uh, so like with this deleting, uh, it's very similar to that. You can kind of combine it with other commands and other things to, to change what it does. DW deletes the word. DD deletes the line. Now, um, copying. Now, well, let me back up. Deleting text or copying text puts the text that's been copied or deleted into a buffer, almost like a clipboard. So if you delete a line, let's say, using DD, you can then move your cursor somewhere and enter P, and it will paste it right there. Uh, so P is for paste, D is for delete. If you want to copy text, you would use Y. Y means yank, and yank is sort of the equivalent of copy in uh, the Vim uh, vernacular. Uh, so if you you know do Y plus a zero, it will copy from the current position to the beginning of the line, and then you move your cursor and you hit paste or P, and it will paste it. So just you know it's an easy way to remember Y is for yank, and that means copy. Now, an easier way to do deleting and copying and pasting and all that kind of stuff is with something that's that's there in Vim that I don't think is in VI. I might be wrong about this, but I, I believe this is a Vim-only feature, and this is called the visual mode. The visual mode, you enter by pressing V. When you're in command mode, you just press V. So, in other words, if you're in, in uh, insert mode, you know, you're typing and you press V, of course, you're just going to get the letter V. So, you want to hit escape, go back to command, and then press V. And what visual mode does, it basically lets you highlight text. You know how like on a regular word processor where you click your mouse at the beginning of something and you hold the mouse button down and you move it and it highlights text and you, you, know, you let go and that text remains highlighted. And then you can hit control X to cut or whatever. Same idea, exact same idea. So you move your cursor to where you want to go and you press V and it starts right there at that character. 
uh, and capital V starts visual mode by the whole line. So then you move your cursor up or down or exactly where you want to go. And again, you can hit D and that will delete everything you just highlighted. And then of course you can move somewhere else and hit P to paste. Or you could hit Y and that yanks or copies the text uh, that was just highlighted. And then you can move it around, move your cursor around and hit P to paste. So the visual mode really is very handy. I like the visual mode a lot. It's a nice feature. Uh, it's very easy to highlight, you know, big sections of the parag of a paragraph or something like that. But that's essentially what the visual mode does. Okay, let's see. Last little thing here before I talk about some sort of final commands is substitution. And this is going to be real basic. Substitution is, again, VI or Vim vernacular for search and replace. If you want to do a search and replace in your document, you need to use substitution. And the way this works is you're in command mode, let's say, and you enter a colon. All right, colon will drop your cursor down towards the bottom left. You'll see it's almost like a, you know, like a, like a, a prompt, if you will. And, and the colon kind of means like, okay, you know, a command is coming that requires more than one letter. So you would hit colon, and then the basic format of substitution is the follows. You, you would type S, meaning substitute, slash, with the word you're looking for, like the find part, slash the word you want to replace it with and then slash with an option and the option is optional so if you just did for example s slash word slash new word it will only look on that current line it will replace word with new word just one time that's it if you had a slash g at the end of that it would do a global search and replace on that line now if you want to search the entire document then at the beginning of the command, before you enter the, the S, you need to use the percent sign. The percent sign means the entire document. So you would do colon percent space S slash word slash new word slash G, and that will do a global search and replace, you know, replacing a word with new word throughout the entire document. And there's lots more to substitution, but I'm going to stop right there. Okay, a few other useful commands. Uh, the tilde key changes the case of the letter under the cursor, so from changes it from upper to lower case or vice versa. Another handy command is the period. This is a command which simply means repeat the last command. So if you do a command and you want it done over, you want to do it a few times, just do it once and then press the, the period and it will repeat the command, the last command given. And then J, capital J, joins two lines together. You go down to where you want the, the lines to be joined, and you hit J and the two line, the line, that line and the line below it will be joined together into one long line. Okay, so now you've done everything and you want to save and, and exit out, or maybe you don't want to save your changes. So let's talk about how to get out of uh, Vim. Basically, the, the, the main command to exit, there's a couple different ways, but the way I always use is colon Q for quit. Now, if you haven't done anything, if you just opened up a text file to read it, you can do colon Q and it will exit right out. If you've made changes to the document, then you need to decide what you want to do. You either need to save your changes and exit, or you can exit without saving your changes. The way to save your changes and exit is colon WQ, for W is for write, write out the changes, and then Q for quit. Or if you decide you don't want your changes, you can hit colon Q with an exclamation point. And the exclamation point means qu quit anyway and ignore all my changes. I'm just discarding all of my changes. Uh, so that's, you know... Uh, Vim basics, if you will, just the very basic ways of moving around and getting around and copying and pasting. Vim has a fairly high learning curve. I mean, I don't think anyone would deny that. And uh, But if you, you know, spend some time with it and just use it from time to time and just start getting comfortable with it, 
it, you know, it really, you'll find it very powerful. And there's a million more things that Vim can do. I mean, I feel like I only know 1% of what Vim can do. Like I said, there's books written on Vim, uh, but it's very cool. I love it a lot. And uh, once you get past sort of the initial little learning curve of just movement and deleting and copying and pasting and all that, you can, you know, you can move very quickly and you can find, I think you'll find Vim to be very powerful stuff. I love it very much. And uh, so I do encourage you to check it out. Speaking of checking out, let's check out some listener feedback. Okay, well, I just realized that I had forgotten to queue up some audio feedback, some audio comments, so I do apologize. I will try to get to those next week. I'll try to remember that. But I do have some emails here, and first one is from John. John says, I was listening to your last episode this week, and I think I heard one of your listeners asking about books or resources for finding commands by topic, such as looking for how do I create a compressed file and finding tar. Well, there is a book called Linux Phrasebook that does similar to this. The book lists commands as topics and is meant to be used as a desk reference. There are several other books in the series, MySQL, Phrasebook, Python, etc. Hope you're able to get this information to the person that needed it. Again, great show from John. John, that is an excellent suggestion. Thank you very much. I was not aware of that book. That sounds like right up his alley, and I mean, I think a lot of people, I think I might uh, enjoy having that. So very good tip. Thanks for sending that in. Here's one from Mark. Mark says, hi, Chess. I just have two words for you. Thank you. Because of your excellent podcast, I have finally ditched Windows, and I am now dual-booting Linux and Linux on my desktop. I guess he means Windows and Linux. Uh, but maybe not. My main distribution I'm using is Vector Linux Slackware-based, and I'm loving it. I listen to your special podcast on Slackware many times, and I am using Slackware as my second boot-up, mainly as a learning exercise for now. And I have been playing around with a few other distros, but these are the two I really like. I'm also running Debian Etch on my laptop. After hearing you and Dave Yates talk about it, I had to give it a try. My wife is still running Windows XP, but I set her machine up as a dual boot with Ubuntu, and I've noticed she seems to be using the Linux side more and more. Maybe another convert. Right now, I am looking around for an older computer to set up as an IMAP server because of the limitations of POP servers with multiple computers, so that is my latest mission using your podcast as my guide. Keep up the great work. Thanks from Mark. Mark, that is great stuff. I'm glad to hear that you and your wife are enjoying Linux, and those are all excellent distributions. And, yeah, I think you'll like that local, that local uh, IMAP if you can get that set up and configured, it's pretty sweet. I like it a lot. Uh, here's one from Bill. Bill says, listening to your podcast this morning, you mentioned that you were going to be playing with running Linux off of a flash drive. There are many iterations of this, one of which is, and then he points me to a Mandriva site. I think it's that Mandriva Live. And he says, uh, where I work, we run most of our kiosks off compact flash chips, typically the one gig flavor of them. So once the kiosk OS and application is written to the chip, it is locked down into read-only mode. When the kiosk is turned on, it transfers the content of the flash chip to DRAM and runs entirely from there. That way you don't overuse the flash memory, which has a finite number of write cycles. Consumer-grade compact flash chips feature about 1,000 write cycles, whereas the commercial versions, about three times the price, are in the 10,000 write cycle range. We use a customized version of Mandriva, and the whole OS takes up about 300 megabytes of the 1 gig flash drive. As we like to say in our advertising, our kiosks are robust and reliable and can run for years with no reboots or crashes. The OS and kiosk application are like the compressor in your refrigerator. Turn it on and use it. Don't worry about anything going wrong. Thanks, Bill. Bill, that's great stuff. And, yeah, I've actually been playing around with that some more. I uh, mentioned, I think, in a previous episode that I was looking for a Socris board, and that's S-O-E-K-R-I-S dot com. They make these little single-board computers, these little SBCs, and it's basically a 386-compatible little board, and you can get a, you know, a box for it and 
and uh, and a power supply and base. A lot of people use them for routers and, and other things, and that's what I'm doing. I bought one used off eBay. It's the 4801, and it has the extra LAN card, so I've got six or seven LAN ports, and it also has a mini PCI slot. And uh, I actually have an extra mini PCI card, so I can put that in there and create a, a, a you know a, a access point. And so I've basically I've got OpenBSD installed on this thing because OpenBSD is great for routers, and they've got a really awesome firewall called PF. So it's using the PF firewall, and I haven't done the wireless part yet. That's uh, sort of my next project. But this thing is awesome, and I have it set up like you suggested, Bill. The whole thing is is run on uh, – it's set up in read-only mode. I kind of tweaked the setup. I've got some stuff loaded into RAM that's even that still needs to be written to, like the VAR and temp directory for logs and whatnot. But those are in memory, and the rest of the file system is read-only, and it's so cool. I mean, it's just – it's awesome. This thing – and you know what? Using this OpenBSD and PF firewall, I've noticed a serious increase in my throughput on my cable modem. I mean, it, it's no joke. It was a big difference. I noticed it right away. So anyway, maybe I'll talk about that someday but, or put up a blog post or something. So thanks, Bill. Here's one from John. John was sending me an email following up to us an issue with the slug he was having. And he just found, uh, wrapped up by saying, I ended up reflashing the Linksys with the original firmware and started over. I now have it running as a web server. It is very cool what you can do with this little thing. Thanks again for a great podcast. Looking forward to the next one from John. Excellent, John. I'm glad you got it going. I think he's got Debian on it now. And the last email for this week is from Jurgen. Jurgen says, "Is one of the earlier Linux home server episodes, you mentioned something about a server for Linux similar to Citrix, something that sounded like K212 or K212 or KTool12. I just can't find it. What was it again? Many thanks and kind regards from Jurgen. Jurgen, I think that is the K12 LTSP project. And the LTSP project is the Linux terminal server project. And the idea is that it, uh, as far as I understand it, I've never used it, so this could be completely wrong, but I think it's something along these lines where you have a server where you've got all your applications loaded and the server then can, can serve up these applications over the network. So the idea is you can have thin clients all over the place that don't have much of anything installed, probably some sort of bare bones installation. But like if they go to run Firefox, the Firefox is actually pulled down from the server and it's run, it's almost like it's streaming applications over the, over the network. Uh, and it sounds like it's really cool. And I think the K12 LTSP project is a variation of that where they've taken that and kind of tweaked it or done things to make it sort of, you know, useful in schools. And so uh, do check that out. I've heard that their project is just amazing stuff. And I, I look forward to playing with that someday. I think that would be a lot of fun. But uh, I got a lot on my plate right now. So uh, but thanks again, Jurgen. Thanks, everybody else, for all your emails and your audio comments and everything. I really appreciate it. I think it's time to wrap it up for this week. Okay, well, I hope you liked that little uh, introduction to Vim. Very high level, I realize. And I hope I didn't get too much wrong, but I think that's essentially the basics. There's obviously a million great websites out there to kind of help you with Vim usage. And use the Vim Tutor. Just in your command line, type Vim Tutor, and it has a 12 or 15 part tutor that maybe takes 30 to 45 minutes to go through, and it is awesome. I mean, it really helps explain Vim and how to do stuff, and I recommend checking that out. And you can always use the help file, too. If you're in Vim, just type colon help, and it will open up the help file. Uh, so, anyway, uh, I think that was good for this week. Uh, thanks again for all your feedback. Please keep it coming. Send me an email to linuxreality at gmail.com. 
and you can of course make you know make a recording at home using you know just use make an mp3 or an aug and send it to me as an attachment and i'll play it as an audio comment i've also got the the voicemail numbers if you go to linuxreality.com slash contact there's several different options there for getting a hold of me and leaving a voicemail using regular phones or SIP phones and there's lots of variety we also have the forms, linuxreality.com slash forms. Please do check that out and consider joining if you haven't already. We've got the Frapper map. You can check that out on the Linux Reality homepage and put your pin on the map. I think we're over, I don't know how many. we got three or 3,500, maybe 4,000, somewhere in that range. Uh, so it's just so cool to see where everybody's from. And uh, let's see, lastly, oh, the IRC channel. Uh, it's hash Linux Reality on irc.freenode.net. Please do check that out as well. So... Hope you all have a great week and a great weekend. And to uh, my fellow countrymen, hope you have a happy 4th of July. Uh, I will catch you all next time. And, oh, one last thing. Please visit O'Reilly and use that coupon code if you have any books you want to buy. Please show them our support for supporting this podcast. Thanks again, everybody. This has been Episode 69 of Linux Reality. See you later. Bye-bye.